The following episode is dedicated to the memory of Peter Mayhew. May the Force be with you, always. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. So, I guess it's time. It's time to go to a galaxy far, far away (laughs) in a time long, long ago, the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it's very timely because we are going to reboot the prequel series of Star Wars. So are all three of them or just Phantom? You know what? Let's just start with Phantom and we can make this a yearly thing. Okay. Because, yeah, we this is our special May the 4th be with you episode. <laughs> so um, maybe we should lay some ground rules because Star Wars tends to attract a certain breed of fandom that i like to compare to howling monkeys right okay so rule number one anyone who disagrees with us gets lit on fire (laughs) end of rules yeah anyone who tries to claim that we're not in the spirit of star wars uh go fuck yourself it's a movie about space wizards yeah and there is a lot of look george lucas made up a lot of shit as he went along okay yeah he he hadn't even planned out the other two movies in the original trilogy when he was still filming the first movie. Because he wanted it all to be in one movie. Yeah, and then they're like, no, this is too big. You're going to have to split it up. Also, that was back when he delegated work. Yeah. <sighs> also, his wife is the real hero because she edited all of those movies. Yeah. Even Even after they separated... Yep. She edited them because like, okay, well, I, I can't be, be with you anymore, but I have to make sure you don't turn this into a pile of garbage. Yeah. Oh, thank God for Marsha Lucas. Yay. Uh, yeah. And as I said, uh, George Lucas actually knew how to delegate work to people and trusted his actors to do their job. And, and then came the prequels and he basically did everything himself. Yeah. And also learned that uh, he's bad at directing children. Well, he only did it... Oh, no, I guess he did do it more than once. Yeah. But Phantom was, like, the main one. Yeah. That's probably why he never really had a lot more kids in the next few movies. Oh, I thought you were just going to edit it. Is this why he didn't have as many kids? No, 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 no. Not that. Um, George Lucas stopped having kids because he couldn't give them directions. <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to do the thing that probably everybody who has watched a Star Wars movie, especially the prequels, has gone, man, this is a hot mess. Well, well it's not a hot mess, but like... It's the a- thing. There's actually a lot of good in the prequels, and I think a lot of people from our generation are just kind of like inundated with so much prequel hate yeah from the older generation it's taken us such a long time to form our own opinions on them because before a lot of people were just parroting opinions of the original fans fans and heavy air quotes but that isn't to say that they're great or anything they are (sighs) but there's good movies inside of them yeah there are good stories they just need to be fixed they needed 
it's one of those, again, filmmaking is a collaborative effort and everybody needs to work together. It isn't just yes. the director show. And George needs to work with us specifically. Yes. So we are going to reboot The Phantom Menace. And uh, the first change I want to do, I want to propose, um, Padme should be the main character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Here's the first thing I want to propose. Okay. Anakin doesn't pod race. Yeah. Now, th this comes with like a, an addendum. It comes <laughs> with a footnote, asterisk. I love the pod racing stuff in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. And I love the piloting stuff. I don't think it relates to Anakin's character at all. Yeah. You know who should be growing up on a backwater planet learning how to pod race and learning how to pilot ships? Who? Han. Yes. So in a way, we're also rebooting the Solo movie, which I have not seen yet. Yeah, me neither. Like, I heard it's bad, but at the same time, I still want to see it. And I probably would have seen it if it if I hadn't been broke at the time. I've seen opinions on the whole spectrum of quality. So this, like, averaging them out, I have come to the decision that Han Solo is a film. Yeah. It is average, from what I understand. Solo is a movie that evidence claims has been made. Yes. <laughs> it exists. As an intellectual property. But yeah, Anakin, it makes sense for Anakin to grow up on a backwater planet too, but like putting so much focus on the pod racing and whatnot, it it doesn't fit with the character. Though that also leads to Vader himself doesn't have a lot of character other than, hi, I'm Darth Vader. Yeah, he kind of skates by on sheer charisma of his presence alone. Not even necessarily charisma, just gravitas. Yes, he has a lot of gravitas. <laughs> you know he is in the room. Well, also because, you know, he is a space wizard, but, like, you you take notice of a Vader. Yeah. He is the, what, seven-foot-tall guy clad all in black with the heavy breathing? Like... Yeah, that's why the ending of Rogue One is a horror movie. Yeah! <laughs> I love that movie, but dear God, that ending was... Was, um... I think I might have clung to Ryan's arm that time. You didn't go see it with me, did you? No. Was I there too? Okay. I'm trying to remember because you saw it before me. Right, because I, my dad's work got us tickets to like the IMAX premiere. Yeah, you got the Gucci stuff. Yeah, I, I got Gucci for Force Awakens and Rogue One. And then uh, I went up a level for The Last Jedi, Ooh. not by going to a fancier theater. I went to a normal theater, but I went by myself, and I went to a matinee, which means I basically spread myself out <laughs> across three reclining seats. Oh my god, that's like the one time I was on a plane from Ottawa to Toronto, and it was one of those like puddle jumper ones, but like there was barely anyone on it, so I managed to get an entire row to myself. The dream. Yes. <laughs> Yes, children, that can happen. <laughs> and then I I don't know how I'll see... Wait, what, what's it called? Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. I'll figure We're probably going to end up talking a little bit about Rise of... Let's, let's, let's get our Rise of Skywalker chat out of the way right now. Um, It looks interesting. I don't think they've given anything away in the trailer yet. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was listening to Super Sentai Bros just last night. Yeah. And they were talking about how Star Wars makes very good trailers because you know almost nothing about the film. And that's what I want going into these particular films because the fandom is bad about having opinions about everything. Yeah. I mean, the fandom's still going to have opinions. Yeah. But like... Here's, here's my opinion for both like the, the haters coming from the one end and the haters coming from the other end. 
you the movie is going to be about how you learn from the past. You don't abandon it. Yeah. But you also don't dwell on it. Yes. You take the good from it. You you take the important lessons and you know we don't do this. We can maybe like take what they did here and tweak it a bit for our situation, but we also move on. We have to move into the future. Yes. That's why like Luke was the last Jedi not because the Jedi were being abandoned, but because they had to evolve into something new. Yeah. And I think a big point of the first of episode one is to show how much the old Jedi Order had stagnated. Yes. Not corrupted. They just, you know, the structure gets ossified. They get too formalized and their their leadership sticks their heads right up their asses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Here's an idea I have. What if Anakin, rather than like being on one of the outer worlds, he's like in the the slums of Coruscant. Okay. And so he like growing up, it's this mix of the Jedi are like the these bougie, fancy religious people, but also like because of the way the force works, there's always this chance that you might be inducted into them. Yeah. It's kind of like joining the church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially back in the Middle Ages. Yeah, I am very deep in learning about uh, the Italian Middle Ages for an alternate history I am writing, and dear God, the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so the Jedi aren't just space wizards, they're Catholic space wizards. <laughs> Even though they're based on the Shaolin monks, but uh, we'll make it work. They're kind of a quasi-police force anyway. And I think that's the big thing that happened to them. They just kind of became the source of authority. Yeah. On both I mean, that that part was uh, Palpatine's influence as well. Yeah, especially near the end. They weren't a military... No, I guess they were kind of a military police. They were like the a diplomatic police at the beginning. Yeah. They would almost be like a police of last resort. Like, if you had issues on your planet that weren't being resolved normally, you'd call in the Jedi to help out. Well, and it's also more in a sense of the Jedi don't have any allegiance to any specific species or planets yeah. or systems or whatever. They're solely devoted to the Force, so you know whatever issue's going on, they're going to be a true neutral party. Like, that's why Padme calls them in, or wait, uh, whatever side calls them in. Some some side calls them in to negotiate between Naboo and the Trade Federation, and, like, they want the Jedi because they don't want anyone who could be benefiting from one side or the other. The only benefit the Jedi get from that is that there's no more war on the horizon. Yeah. And this is where the problems start because they are so like ossified and set in their ways that they think they're right all the time. And this leads to problems when you think that you're right and you have become basically the galaxy's police force. Yeah. And didn't even realize it. So then for the two phantom, two menace, (laughs) we can have Anakin like being found Maybe he's, like, using his very, very rough force abilities to, like, pickpockets and whatnot, and he ends up running afoul of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. And then, like, upon discovering this, they decide, well, how about we just induct you into the Order and get you training? And then Obi-Wan's like, well, but Master, he's he's too young, and or no, he's too old, but he's also too young, and he just seems like a prick all around. <laughs> and Qui-Gon says, oh, laddie, Obi-Wan, I'm Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> and I'm speaking with an Irish accent. Even though it sounds and, Australian. 
Crikey, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> this child is Bonzas. <laughs> we have to make him a Jedi because he's the chosen one. <laughs> now I want to see... Now I want to see Qui-Gon recast as like... Oh, Hugh Jackman. Chris Hemsworth? Oh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman would be a good Qui-Gon. Yes. Yo, a Jedi would actually... I'm sure Hugh Jackman would love playing a Jedi because you don't have to do that much physical stuff because he's old and his bones are turning to dust. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to sing. <laughs> yeah. There's only so much I can do as Logan. God damn it. Oh, imagine Hugh Jackman as the Phantom. Oh, yes. Because unlike Gerard Butler, he can sing. Yes. Now, now let me destroy this image. Imagine him as the Phantom, but in Love Never Dies. Oh, that fucking fanfic! Goddamn. And I was never a big Phantom girl to begin with, so like <laughs> I knew that a Phantom of the Opera existed, and I knew that all of the more emo girls loved it. But like, yeah, even I get a shudder when I hear about Love Never Dies. Uh, in a way, you can say that all the Star Wars movies outside of the original trilogy are also fan fiction. Yeah, in a way. I mean, oh, maybe not the prequel trilogy, because George did have a hand in them. Well, George had too much of a hand in them. Can you write fan fiction for your own property? Well, given J.K. Rowling's devolvement of the <laughs> Harry Potter franchise, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, she's Listen. our generation's George Lucas, so. <laughs> the prequels might be divisive, but at least the Jedi never shat in the halls of the temple and then <laughs> used the Force to turn it invisible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of the first things that we got to fix with, uh, with the Phantom Menace is the text crawl at the beginning, because goddamn, that's boring. Like, it's supposed to get you excited for the story and provide you with interesting, you know, bit of a preamble about the plot. And instead, this is all about the, the trade deals? I mean, I feel like we should leave the trade deals in because, like, the whole prequel trilogy was how bad management of diplomacy and inter-system relations. Like, it was how politics caused the galaxy to fall yeah. into war. Yeah. Like... The Republic is basically like the end of the Roman Republic. Um, there was a lot of internal issues that, from what I can glean from doing a lot of lore diving, it, um, the Republic dropped the ball about addressing them early enough to fix them. You know, you could have given the Outer Rim planets a lot more autonomy. Yeah. But you didn't. So guess what? They're uh, separate. They want to separate, and uh, we're from Tanner and I are both from a country that has uh, the big, beautiful province of Quebec, who periodically wants to separate from the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes Alberta does too. Yeah, Alberta. <sighs> Look, their economy takes a slight dive, and every they blame the rest of Canada. Alberta's like, Alberta's five minutes away from launching themselves into space and forming the cowboy planet. Yeah. <laughs> Out of sight. And I'm from Alberta. <laughs> Look, we get it. You're Canada's Texas, but... Um... <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we should still have 
the trade federation and the trade disputes be the background, yeah. but make it more interesting. How about Padme, like, they've dispatched the Jedi to negotiate with the Trade Federation, but Padme has decided, no, I'm taking matters into my own hands, and she's also just, like, snuck aboard the trade ship to try and start stuff. <laughs> yes. And they end up running into each other. Yes. Maybe, like, okay. So the thing with Anakin being too old to be trained as a Jedi, I don't think it was made clear enough, like, to the general audience about, like, how the Jedi back in the day used to work. Like, if you were someone who read the uh, Expanded Universe a lot, like, you would know everything about the Jedi and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like, that's another problem that we want to avoid is pandering too much to that hardcore audience who knows the series inside and out. Exactly. Like, if in the exposition dump or just in re- casual dialogue, there are things that stated that lined up with what the big fans know about the Expanded Universe, that's great. Yeah. But you shouldn't have to read 17 semi-canonical novels to understand the concepts we're talking about. Let alone anything from the comics, because Jim Bob from, um, he's wavering too much, um, Roblin, <laughs> Manitoba probably has to travel about two hours to find the closest comic book store to his house. Exactly. You can apply this to a lot of movies these days because so many movies are adaptations. Yeah. And we have a podcast all about making adaptations and whatnot. Yeah. Ah, but you shouldn't have to do homework in order to see a movie. Yeah. And understand it. Yeah. And like most of the stuff that gets adapted anyway, like books or whatever, you can still get them at like even a small bookstore. Because mm-hmm. they're they're usually pulling from like the New York Times bestsellers and guess what? Comic books tend not to make the New York Times bestseller list. Some of them have. The newer ones yeah. because they tie in more with the expanded universe and they've like they're being published as big novels, like before the Star Wars novels were like pretty much the same as any paperback. Yeah. Like this was this is a science fiction novel for science fiction fans who like science fiction and also happen to like Star Wars. Yeah. It gets stuck in the corner and you tend to forget about it. Whereas these ones, like, they actually get the press release. And if you go to the Canadian equivalent of Barnes and Nobles is chapters. If you go to chapters, like the new Star Wars book release would be on like one of those front tables near the checkout counter or near the entrance. Exactly. For everybody to see it would probably have like one of those staff pick stickers on it one time i went into chapters and there was a star Wars like on the big tables at the front there was a star wars novel right beside a, the latest drizzed novel oh god and it wasn't even like hey here's some murder reads no it was just like these are the hot new books yeah we got we got star wars we got drizzed and we got the latest english professor cheating on his wife book <laughs> Actually, actually, no. Our chapters in Regina is pretty good. Like, a majority of the books I see propped up there are by women. Yeah. All about how they exact revenge on their cheating English professor husband or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um... Progress. <laughs> so, anyway, speaking on top of that and angering fanboys, um, the casting will have a lot more diversity to it. Yay. When it comes to the human characters, like, the obviously human... While appearing human, we don't actually know what the anatomy is like. I mean, Star Wars is, I'm not going to say better or worse, but they're different from Star Trek in that when they have aliens, they look alien. Yeah. 
Like even like the least makeup heavy ones would probably be the Twi'leks. And even those, like you don't glance at them and say, oh, that's a human. Yeah, they're clearly alien. Now, to be fair to like older Star Trek, they were dealing with the limitations of costuming and makeup at the time. Yeah, but that also means that they've grandfathered a lot of that stuff in. And now it's like, you must be a Romulan because you have bangs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I legitimately want to get into Star Trek Voyager. I don't know why, but I just started watching clips of Seven of Nine on YouTube and now I love her. Okay. <laughs> Even though, from what I've heard, Voyager is the second worst series. To be fair, I haven't watched a lot of Star Trek outside of the movies. Um, but from what I remember, the plots were pretty cheesy. Not like Star Wars that has real deep plots. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is totally... I am pulling from Roman history here while I sip my wine and talk about the intricacies of the Trade Federation's uh, policy when it comes to dealing with the Outer Rim. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the <laughs> fandom, the Star Wars fandom, the hardcore fans take Star Wars way too seriously. Like, yeah. I don't even think Tolkien fans take his Legendarium that seriously. Like, at the end of the day, Star Wars is just a really great playground. Yeah. And it's fantasy. It's not science fiction. Like Exactly. Here's what I will grant. It is science fantasy. It is in that weird in-between zone between science and fantasy. And science fantasy is the best genre because you can basically do whatever you want. You get the best of both worlds. You can have a Tusken Raider who is Force-sensitive and fled from their home planet and now communicates via the head of a protocol droid that translates for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the the plot the plot what do we have to fix about the plot well the actual plot of the phantom menace isn't that bad no it just needed some polishing it's the execution yeah it was the execution and as i said earlier george lucas is not good when it comes to directing kids he's okay when it comes to adults from what i've seen but i with adults, like adult actors can challenge him and say, this dialogue sucks. Let me improvise here. Mm -hmm. Anakin should be like 14. Yeah. And that gets the idea. A 14 year old played by a 16 year old. Yeah. And that gets the idea that he is considered too old to be a Padawan across a lot better than having an eight-year-old because that confuses things because people are like, well, how old are they taking these kids? Are they like babies? <laughs> Give a baby a lightsaber. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, okay, so we can, like, stick him in a class with the other Padawans and then invoke the feeling I had when I was doing terrible in swim class. Oh. And I was like a 12-year-old among six-year-olds. Oh. So when when I started taking my Irish dance lessons uh, to learn some of the basic moves, because Irish and Highland share a lot of stuff on a very basic level, I got stuck with a bunch of five-year-olds learning Highland dance, and I was about 12. Oh, no. Yeah. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, like that, that picture from Fresh Prince where Will <laughs> is in, like, the flower suit amongst all the children. Yes! <laughs> That's the feeling we need to invoke with Anakin's training. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting at the back of the classroom learning all the basics, and in front of him is, like, a whole bunch of little, like, six, seven, eight-year-olds. And clearly he's a kid who could be on Degrassi. Yeah. <laughs> or Riverdale, if you want to go pretty. 
I mean, Degrassi is closer in age, depending on where you come in. Because of the time dilation, where they went from each season being a full school year to each season being a semester, to almost the point where each season was like half a semester. Oh, wow. There was one girl who was... Her and her character were both 15 when the show started. Yeah. And then her character graduated at age 18, but the actress was 25 or something. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. It was at the point where she'd been on there for so long, you just accept this. Yeah. And I don't know. Looking like a teenager, but being an adult is kind of weird because like, okay, the other day I went to the liquor store to get a celebratory Tetra of Rosé and I was immediately carded when I got to the cashier because I might be 26 years old, 26 and a half actually, but many people think I'm a lot younger than that. When you want to be, you can look like a preppy 17-year-old. Yes. So, anyway, um, yeah, Anakin's training. Anakin's training, like, he's going through the basic stuff. Or maybe he's just, like, shadowing uh, Obi-Wan and Kaigon Jin. I don't know. Maybe they still believe in some field training. And then he gets close to Padme because she's in pre- protective custody. Yes. So, okay. Um... Let's, let's start figuring out some, like, order of plot events. Do you still think we should go to the Outer Rim for anything? Well, if Anakin's going to be on Coruscant in the lower reaches of it, then... Unless it's to help Padme hide while the... Because how did the first episode go? She... They had to flee from the Trade Federation... Or no, they're fleeing from Naboo. Yeah. And they went to the Outer Rim to lay low and to repair the ship. And then after that, they returned to Coruscant. So let's say we get introduced to Anakin first. Either he's like a stowaway or uh, Kaigon decides, you know what, it'll be good for him to bring him along. And they go to pick up Padme and the Trade Federation decides to attack. So they have to go to the Outer Rim. Because I think that's where they discovered that the Sith is rising again. But they didn't have to go there because they discovered the Sith is rising because uh, Maul followed them to Tatooine. He wasn't just chilling there. Unless we change it that Darth Maul has been chilling there while they lay low and make repairs. We could have that happen. Or somewhere close because there are specific planets, mostly in the Outer Rim, I think, that are tied to the Sith. Um, oh, they could go to Mandalore. Yeah. Because um, Mandalore is like an actual, I mean, it's getting the show, the Mandalorian. Yeah. And it's where the Fets are from. So you could actually give them more of a purpose beyond just, even even the prequel trilogy, they felt tacked on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, older fans, but the only thing that Boba Fett had going on for him was that he looked cool. Yeah. But I know that there's, like, a planet associated with the Sith. Um, I think it was originally called Corbin in the Expanded Universe, and then Lucas changed it to Morabin. Um. Uh, gonna do that. And go... Do, 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 do. So there's Mandalore. Corbin, it might be a bit on the nose if they go directly to Moraband, though. Yeah. But we could have a scene there. Like, we could have... We could be introduced to Maul meditating there. Yes. And then he gets, like, a transmission from Sidious saying, Hey, the people that we need to mess with are on Mandalore. 
Go get him, Tiger. Yeah. And then the big thing about Darth Maul is that he was fucking cool. Yes. <laughs> I remember as a kid during Halloween and all of the Darth Maul masks and lots of kids dressed up as him. Yeah. Yeah. So we keep the cool fights. Yes. And are we going to off Darth Maul at the end? Or will we include a scene where he becomes a spider? I kind of like keeping him around for at least a little bit. Okay. So he will survive the end of this movie. Yeah. I say kill him off in uh, the Clone Wars. Or, like, kill him off or air quotes kill him off. Maybe air quotes kill him off. Like, just to keep people guessing because everybody likes to guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's part of the myth and lore of the fandom. Yes. And then we all, we've got like that card in our back pocket if we need to pull them out. Yeah, if we need to pull uh, Clone Wars and give him the spider legs again. <laughs> we could, oh, we could even take this step further and how he's defeated, like, keeping him killing Qui-Gon. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan defeating him. Yeah. But we could have it as Obi-Wan cutting off his arms. Yeah. So then when he shows up in Attack of the Clones, he's got robot arms. And then he's like, haha, I've got robot arms. And then Obi-Wan's like, but you don't have robot legs. Yeah. And then he shows up again in like Clone Wars and Hitler's like, I now I do have robot legs. And I <laughs> doubled up because fuck you, Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. I like this rivalry now. <laughs> uh, and of course we introduce Darth Sidious and we introduce Palpatine. Yes. And I think the relationship between Palpatine and Padme, if we're having Padme as the main character, even though she's probably not going to actually appear until about 15 minutes in, kind of like the original Star Wars movie. How so? It took about 15, 20 minutes before Luke showed up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You have a lot of preamble, and then, bam, there's your hero, and the only way that, that you know that for sure this is your hero is that he is looking wistfully off into the distance at the two setting suns while John Williams' score is playing in the background, and John Williams loves his leitmotifs. Okay, so hang on, I'm trying to figure out the order of operations here, because we have a lot of very cool moving parts Yeah. that we're just kind of throwing at the wall. Okay, so, so I say we introduce Anakin first. Okay, and... He sneaks into the temple or even into, like, the Jedi hangar. Yeah. And is trying to steal from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's ship. Yes. What if he's stealing power converters? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So they catch him and they realize, oh, yes, you are indeed Force-sensitive. We'll just throw out the whole Metachlorian thing. Yeah, we don't need that. Nobody like that. And then they go on their mission to Naboo. We get introduced to our actual main character, Padme. How about... They had, like, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are leaving because Padme already tried to, like, take down the Trade Federation from the inside, and now it's, like, a hostage negotiation. Okay. Where it's basically, or not necessarily hostage, but, like, she's been apprehended by the Trade Federation, and they're keeping her on the ship. Yeah. And uh, so Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan have to go, like, negotiate her release. Yeah. And it'll be something like, at least, like, release her into Jedi custody, because, again, we're an informal third party. We don't have it bearing one way or the other other than we don't want any more lives lost. Yes. And then due to plot, plot, plot reasons of we need conflict, okay? Um, It'll, like, the we can keep it in the movie where basically the Trade Federation 
uh, Sidious finds out there's Jedi on board, and he goes to the Trade Federations, and he's like, hey, there's Jedi on board. Kill him. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's also, let's uh, tweak Trade Federations design so that they don't look like Chinese stereotypes or sound like them. Yeah. Maybe have, instead of them being like a single planet, maybe it is like a federation. It is a bunch of different people, like um, a big business conglomerate. So you have representatives of different species, including humans. Yeah, that works too. Although I, I do also like, like the idea of an entire species devoted to a single industry. <laughs> a planet of hats? Yes, I do. What, like, when it's either not too ridiculous or maximum ridiculous, that is when Planet of Hats yeah. works. I also do love the Trade Federation hats. Yes. Well, what we could do is base them more off of, like, Renaissance Italy? I was thinking just go full on Wall Street. Okay. And so... Instead of, like, being the concerning Chinese-esque voices, they're, like, fast-talking... Broadly New Yorkish. Not necessarily New York, because that might fall into other negative stereotypes. Mm, yeah. Because, oh, hell, Phantom Menace was stereotype-a-palooza. Oh, yeah, um... Should we go into Jar Jar Binks or, um... I want to keep the Gungans, because I like the idea of the Gungans. But, like, who was, uh... Like, who was the commander? Not the command, Like, not, the, not the, the leader, but, like, the military commander. Oh, uh, I forget. He was such a nothing character. But, like, you know who I mean, right? Yeah. Like, have them more in line with his personality. Yeah. Because... They are a legitimate a civilization in Naboo. Yeah. But they come off as a joke because our, the bigger the biggest representatives are Jar Jar and Boss Nass. Yeah. Um, maybe just do something like what they did with Yoda and just change up the sun structure. There's a particular thing that Yoda does. It actually has a name. A, a name within the world of grammar. And it's based on like how he has like what does he do it's like it isn't you're the english major tell me i don't know i don't know i barely remember what a clause is <sighs> how does yoda talk make sure whatever paper you find make sure it has mla style citations because then you'll know it's legit yoda does object subject verb well, we don't have to necessarily change the sentence structure, just like, did, keep, keep the Misa and Yusa and Isa. Oh no, yeah. maybe don't do that, because that mm. sounds like you, sir, I, sir, that, ooh, that does fall into, they're yeah, mammy-ish, that's the issue, they're a little bit like a mammy. Yeah. So you know what, let's, let's, let us white people not consider how necessarily to do that. Like any first movie, Phantom Menace is meant to build a lot of stuff. But the problem with prequels is that we know the outcome, but being a history major and like one of the biggest appeals of historical fiction is that these people don't realize that they are in history. Yeah. You have to write the script with the idea that these people have no idea on what the future holds for them. Exactly. When you're designing prequels, you have to you do it with the knowledge that the audience has already been spoiled, essentially. Yeah. So now you actually have to go into detail about how did we get to this situation? And there's still like a good chunk of time between 
the end of the prequels and the beginning of the original trilogy that we still don't really know about. Mm-hmm. Though, according to the now official Expanded Universe books, uh, Thrawn did happen. I don't know if we're ever going to actually see that on film. Probably not on film, but like we got in Rebels, so. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, the advantage of prequels is that you know what the audience is going to be looking at. Yeah. But Star Wars also has a really great reputation for subverting expectations. This is true. I don't... I feel okay, like maybe that's not a, the greatest reputation, but that like... That subversiveness is really only with the sequel trilogy. Yeah, and I will also give the original trilogy, because the original trilogy was not playing by typical sci-fi rules. Or fantasy rules, even. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But, like, I feel like there's not a lot of room for subversion in the prequels. The prequels in general is, like like you said, it's the story of the fall of an yeah. empire. Or the fall of a republic. The fall yeah, of the, the fall of a republic. republic. Yeah, and the thing about the fall of republics is that it falls to tyranny. And we have to see how did that happen. I actually have read in depth about how some republics have fallen to tyranny. And the story tends to be far more complicated than what you thought. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing with Rome. What happened with Rome, the most famous republic to fall to an empire, was that it was founded by a group of aristocrats who were rebelling against their uh, king. Um, and the system that they came up with was great for a tiny little city-state surrounded by a bunch of related people And this tiny little city-state, while they were willing to defend themselves and maybe expand a little bit, they weren't too keen on empire building. It was only until they got a bit too big for the Italian peninsula and kind of, like, got the ire of Carthage that things went bad. Yeah. And you also have an aristocracy that has way too much money and land now. And they're now starting to subvert the rules of your government. Part of the problem with Rome in particular was that they did not have a written constitution. They had a system, like a, their cultural carrots and sticks that enforced a set of rules on people, but it was a highly competitive system. Yeah. Every person sought glory. And after a while, people started breaking rules in the pursuit of glory and fame, and it broke down the system even further. On top of a growing wealth gap and an unwillingness to fix the problem because those at the top were really benefiting from it. Exactly. And if we show just how corrupt the Republic has gone because they're making a lot of money from the Trade Federation. And the problem with the Trade Federation is that they're generating a lot of money, which looks good for Coruscant, like, If you're in Coruscant and you're making that money and you have, you don't even have to be super wealthy. You just have to be living comfortably. But if you're on the outer rim where your particular issues are being regularly ignored, and if you're in Naboo where you're being strong-armed by these guys and you know that this is bad for you. From my understanding, from my reading, it seems like they wanted to turn Naboo into basically a banana republic for them. Yeah. And you know that Coruscant isn't listening. Exactly. Okay, so then let's let's put Luke or not Luke, let's put Anakin back on Tatooine. Okay. Because like after that whole thing, I th- I think it would make more sense for him to come from an Adorim planet. Yeah, so he understands even at a young age how fucked up the system is. 
And that's the thing is that we have to, like the prequels have to show his journey from someone who understands that the system has problems. And like when he joins the Jedi, he's the person who like, he's joining them in the hopes that he can help change it from within, or at least that like he's inspired by Qui-Gon who is an old school Jedi in the best possible way. Yeah. And I would also lump Yoda in there because Yoda has like the wisdom of the ages. Mm-hmm. But Yoda, like even Yoda is someone who has grown complacent by the time the prequels come around because like he has all this wisdom, but he thinks that that's going to be enough to influence the council when needed. And he's kind of just grown blind to all the issues because he's arrogant and he's, he's nice and he's kind but he's so... It's that hubris. Yeah, because even in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda says, like, oh, you're having visions of people you love dying, Anakin? Well, just ignore those, because those will lead to the dark side. Yeah. Whereas Palpatine actually offers empathy and comfort to Anakin. In quotation marks. Yeah. Because the thing with Palpatine is that he's whipping up people's emotions and fears. Exactly. And that's the thing, is like, we have to show... From the beginning, we have to show a connection between Pan- Panikin. <laughs> no, that's their that's their terrifying ship name, <laughs> Palpatine and Anakin. <laughs> yes, we need to show that he is exerting just as much of a mentorship role over Anakin as Qui Gon is. Yeah, and we have to demonstrate show how Anakin can go from someone who has been screwed over by the system to someone who is trying to change the system to someone who essentially becomes part of the system, and even if it's a new system. Because that's yeah. the thing about the Empire is that it's not just tyrannical, it's fascist. And it hinges yeah. on one emperor making all of the decisions for people. Yeah. And the thing about fascism and any sort of like... In political science, there's a dichotomy between a totalitarian system and an authoritarian system. The authoritarian system is actually fairly conservative and is more concerned with just keeping things the way they are. Whereas a totalitarian system is more revolutionary it wants to change things mostly to benefit the people on the top and it's mostly driven by a single person Mm -hmm. whereas an an authoritarian system it can be run by a group of people so basically the trilogy or yeah the prequel trilogy that it has to demonstrate anakin basically being seduced is a loaded word but essentially being seduced by palpatine yeah. into believing that palpatine is the one man who can save the galaxy mm-hmm. and then at some point he goes from i'm going to help the little people to because he is one of the little people and he needs to yeah. go from helping them to thinking they're weak they don't deserve my help or they're weak therefore i'm the only one who's able to guide them Yes, and if they can't accept my guidance, then then what's death. the point of them? Yeah. If what if Anakin ends up with an actual because he was he was treated as the Messiah for his entire time with the Jedi, but yeah. he never really like grew into that idea. But what if he did? What if he did end up with a yes. Messiah complex? If he yes. did, he probably wouldn't be able to get redeemed. <sighs> but we have about like what. How old was uh, Luke and were Luke and Leia when the last of the original trilogy happened? Probably about twenty-ish. I think they're in their twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So we still have a long time to deal with Anakin's entire character arc. Yeah, this is true. We 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 don't have enough time in this podcast to lay out all the the plot points that would lead through Anakin's character arc. 
Yeah, that's where the extended universe comes in. Yeah, I think I do think though that within the scope of the prequels, we should make sure that like whatever lines he crosses, they're not so much that he can't. Like, it's not a full redemption. It's basically Anakin doesn't seek forgiveness at the end. He at most he seeks understand. Not even I don't think understanding because he never says Luke. Oh, you know I did what I did for a reason. Yeah. It's basic at at most. It's atonement, and he's basically yeah. I did some evil stuff. I can't really stop it, but I'm gonna save my son because I know that he can. Yeah, I can at least fix this one problem that I helped create. Mm Hmm. So yeah. So I guess yeah. Even then, by the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. Anakin knows he's beyond redemption. Yeah, he has fully embraced the dark side. and Well, he comes back as a Force ghost, so yeah. I guess the light side of the Forks reaccepts him. Yeah. But it's not like... He... This wasn't a whole gambit to try and get back on the light side. It's that yeah. in his final actions, he proved that he no longer believed in the dark side, even yeah. if he had done so many things for them. And... As we said earlier, a lot of the mythology and lore when George Lucas started making the Star Wars movies, he was making a lot of stuff as he went. Like the whole kiss between Luke and Leia, like he genuinely had not mapped out what the relationship was going to be. I I have no flack about the kiss because if if you and me were siblings and in a Death Star, actually, no, you probably wouldn't give me a kiss for luck. God! Tanner, I already have a sibling. I I have been affected by the Westermark effect, okay? No, but that's the thing is that I can't even think of a situation where you and Ryan are kissing. Yeah. But that's why, that's, hang on, let, let me backtrack. The point I'm trying to get to is that Luke and Leia have no idea that they're siblings. There's yeah. no Westermark effect going yeah. on. Yeah, they don't have the Westermark effect applied to them. But also remember, George Lucas did not plan this out. Exactly. No, I'm just saying that like, I, I'm not going to hold it against siblings who were separated at birth and didn't know each other to kiss each other, especially if it's just one-sided and also for spite. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much out of spite, and eventually they realized, oh yeah, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford have way better chemistry. Uh, because they're already banging. Yeah. <laughs> I love the story how Mark Hamill was so, like, so full of himself at the time and, like, so into his own thing that he didn't even realize that Carrie and Harrison were fucking. Well, also, Carrie Fisher was so deep in a combination of drugs and bipolar stuff that she didn't even realize they had had an affair until, like, decades later. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. she... She wrote a whole book, The Princess Diarist, I'm pretty sure it was The Princess Diarist, was the one where she found her old diaries during the filming of the Star Wars movies, and she had to call up Harrison. She's like, Harrison, did we have a steamy love affair during Star Wars? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did. did. Did you forget? Yeah, it's the drugs. <laughs> now, to be fair to Carrie, like, aside from the bipolar stuff, she is the child of a Hollywood celebrity. You are going to be surrounded by that shit from birth. Yeah. Uh, just Well, Hollywood in general. I mean, I listen to enough of my favorite murder to know. <laughs> it is a fucked up place. Not, not even Hollywood, just the 80s. If you were alive in the 80s, yeah. there was drug stuff going on. If, if you were anywhere near the upper class. Oh, God. And you could get the good stuff, like... Yeah. I, I should also point out that we're not trying to glamorize drug use in any no, decade, no. especially in the 80s. But um, 
do notice the fact that a lot of celebrities who have managed to get clean and were big into drugs in the 80s, the way they deal with it is laughing about how scarily preposterous all those situations were. Yeah. Um, also, listen to the ladies of My Favorite Murder because they have both had their drug problems in the past. Yes. And yeah, it's like a holy crap. Drugs, drugs are a serious issue and you should not hold it against anyone if the way they deal with their sober journey or whether it's complete or continuing is by making comedy out of it. Yeah. Because sometimes that's the only way you can deal with some of the stuff that happened. Yeah. Especially in hindsight when you realize like how close you were to something horrible happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anyway, yeah, Star yeah, Wars the, uh, production of the original trilogy was fucking wild. Yeah, <laughs> and Star Wars has a way of surprising you, fans. Um, like I, I've, I sometimes watch uh, Bob Chipman, uh, Movie Bob's videos, and he does talk a lot about Star Wars because that's a frequent topic in nerd circles. And he pointed out rather rightly that the only really conventional movie in the Star Wars franchise is Rogue One because it's based pretty much of a, on like old 1960s war movies like it's the guns of Navarone but in space yeah but even then like it bucks convention on account of it's from the 60s it's not a modern movie no because Rogue One even... is a modern movie based off of a movie basically inspired by a movie from the 60s and the main character is a woman Mm-hmm. see that yeah it has a female lead. It did really well. But also, just like, with that ending, I went into Rogue One, like, I knew what it was about, and I knew it was gonna be much heavier than other Star Wars movies. But I went in thinking, oh, well, surely at least, like, some of the characters are gonna make it out. <laughs> and the director's like, nope! No. Disney, let us kill them all! Look, in, in, in those sorts of movies, just expect everybody to, like, nobody's gonna make it. Yeah. You could do a big reach and have K2SO come back just because he's a droid. Yeah. And that's only if they somehow uploaded his memories into a database or something. His head managed to survive the destruction and now it's just floating in space. Yeah. He's still snarky. (laughs) At the end of the day, this is just like cleaning up the script and making things clearer. Yeah. We should wrap up shortly. I'm just trying to think of the, like, if the the meat of the movie is going to be Anakin starting training and bonding with, I mean, everyone with Palpatine, Qui-Gon, Padme, and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, yeah. And then the climactic battle, everything can take place on Coruscant, and instead of Anakin having to fly up to one of the ships and just happening to land on, like, the Keystone ship, he... Convinces Padme, or Padme grabs him, and they both like find a Trade Federation Incorporated on Coruscant because <laughs> you know they're gonna have like a big office building there. Yes, and they have to like shut down the droid army from there. Cool. And so they're fighting through the droids, and Anakin is like dual wielding a blaster and a lightsaber because he still isn't perfect at his training yet, and it's probably a lightsaber he just like stole from the workshop or something. Yeah. At some point, it probably overheats and he has to chuck it at something to make it explode. <laughs> um, and then this is happening while Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are having the battle with Darth Maul. Yeah. We keep cool choreography. Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Still get John Williams to score this one because John Williams is a god. Yeah. 
still get Ray Park as Darth Maul. Yeah. Maybe he can talk more. Yes, that would be great. Um, I would say still keep the mystery on who Darth Sidious is until the end. Yeah. Maybe not of this movie. Like, maybe keep it a, an ongoing mystery. Okay, here's the thing. I had no idea that Palpatine was Darth Sidious until Empire Strikes, or not Empire, okay, yeah. um, Revenge of the Sith. Until Revenge of the Sith, yeah. And I don't know if that was just me being really obtuse, or it was like everyone else is bullshitting me that they knew it from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw episode one... Not when I was young. I remember playing the video game like the, it was a racer movie or, or a racer video game on. What did it have been the PlayStation Two by then? Um, no, I think it was still PlayStation One. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see the first episode until I was probably a tween or in my early teens, and oh, wow. I think the CBC was doing because it was part of the lead up to. Revenge of the Sith. So they had episode one and two. They did like a back-to-back Sunday thing. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh, who built C-3PO? Oh, yeah. We got to have the shout out to all of that. Um. Well, what if he uh, worked at the Jedi Temple? Yeah. And then it, that also makes sense where they would ha- uh, have to erase 3PO's memories because he would have serious information from working at the temple for so long. Yes. What if, I mean, I know we're focusing on Phantom Menace, but what if in the new Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin comes back to the temple, 3PO tries to stop him and Anakin attacks him and that's what messes up the memory. Oh, I love that. Because that's another really good sign that he has really embraced the dark side. Yeah. And would break so many hearts. Good. Oh, we'll also get to the whole breaking my heart thing at the end. I have thoughts about... Well, I think everybody's got thoughts about Padme's death. Our, I mean, we're rebooting this, so yeah. we can just have her not die. Yeah, because I think she she stuck around long enough that Leia remembered her. I mean, that's what they said in the originals. Yeah. But she died shortly after. Yeah, so we can retcon that again. Yeah. I get, well, it's, where... no, if it's a reboot, it's not a retcon. <laughs> yeah. We're just we're driving a, a pod racer directly through all the yeah. bullshit. <laughs> we're just gonna pull what the Disney execs did to the ex- uh, expanded universe with an asterisk saying like, "This stuff is no longer canon. This is canon. We might pull some ideas from uh, prequels when we see fit." Welcome to the new Star Wars. There is no canon. Yeah, and hey, the fact that they kept Thrawn for the in between part, you know, I like it. Yeah. All right. I think we've made a pretty good Phantom Menace. Are we still going to call it the Phantom Menace? Mm, it's where they discover that the Sith will come back. But calling it Return of the Sith would be silly. Yeah. The Phantom Menace, the Shadow Menace, the beginning. No, the be- that one's boring. <laughs> you know what? We'll keep the original title. Is th- Was there something called Shadow of the Republic? I think that was a video game. That does sound like a video game. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, just stick with Phantom Menace. Yeah. All right. I think that's something good. Yeah. All right. So then me and Lindsay are going to meditate to grow closer with the Force. And while we do that, we're going to cut over to a quick friend promo. (laughs) 
Ah, what a fun and wacky Rube Goldberg sequence where one of us messed up the plan, but we still captured the crabby creature of Creepy Crag. And now it's time to reveal who's behind the mask. Kids, Kids and, and their, their dog. dog! The Scooby-Doo Movie Review and Recap Podcast? Oh yeah, the show where I, your Hanna-Barbera talking animal Cassidy, and you, Lava, watch a Scooby-Doo movie once a month and talk about it. This was all part of its clever ploy to let people know that it can be found on Twitter, at Kids and Their Dog, or wherever you download podcasts. Ah, and they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. Lindsay, do you feel closer to the force? A little bit. Are, are you floating? Um, oh, yes. Yes, I am. Cool. Rad. Um, while you're floating there, tell me where you can be found on the internet. I can be found at lindsaym 476 on Twitter, and from there you can get to all my other social media bullshits. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they are pronounced... Now you need to get a Wookiee caution for Halloween. <laughs> I'll be the Wookiee mom. Yes. <laughs> you can also find this podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first, all one word. Uh, hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F, which is also pronounced... <laughs> Wow, Lindsay, that was some real impressive droid whistling you got there. <laughs> Thank you. I've been practicing it for this bit. Aw, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com. Send us your comments, your critiques, your... You can't... I guess you can't really send us Snoke theories anymore because they... <laughs> He's not relevant. <laughs> T- tell us about your plans to reboot The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, and how you've got producers now. Yeah. <laughs> you can also ask to be a guest star on our show. Uh, you can choose whatever you want to be a reboot of, but don't tell us what it is. Just give us a hint because we love surprises. We have a guest coming up sometime this month because it's 90s month. I forgot to mention, it's 90s month this May. Totally rad. Everything in this month will have a cool 90s veneer over it including the results of our People's Choice poll, which is closed now. But if you become a $5 sponsor on our Patreon, then you'll be able to vote on the upcoming poll for the June bonus, or not bonus episode, the June People's Choice episode. Uh, Patrons also get a weekly shout-out from us on this podcast, so shout-out to Charlie, who has been our sponsor pretty much since we launched the Patreon. So thank you very much, Charlie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Rate and review us. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. It helps with the algorithm. Which is deep in the dark side. Deep in the um, unknown regions of a galaxy far, far away. Tanner, do you have a hint for us in the totally red month of May? Yes, in this merry 90s month of May. Next week, we are going to prepare to roll battle! In the meantime, may the Force be with you.
N I I R Y F, which is also pronounced. I can't whistle. Oh, I'm sure I can find some droid noises and just put them in and post. Yes, thanks. <laughs> are you on? Are you on Wikipedia? I'm not on Wikipedia. I'm on um, Wikipedia because Wikipedia sometimes throws very loud ads at me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>